Well, as members of the public, so many of these sort of instant surveys around these days, but I looked up one yesterday to see um, that we're regularly surveyed on the question, if you could possess one superpower, one special power, something no human can do, what would it be? And nearly always at or near the top of the list is the idea that we'd love to travel through time. Travel through time. Can you imagine that? Imagine dropping in on Mozart or peeking into next week's lottery results. I mean, that you know, such things would be absolutely fascinating, wouldn't they, and great fun. But there's one book, you know, that's very popular around this time of year that uses the idea of time travel in a really potent way. It's the story of a series of kind of supernatural events under the guidance of a spirit that transcend time, past, present, and future, but with the purpose of changing one person's heart. I refer, of course, to Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol, a great book. And whether we regard that book as just a kind of engaging Victorian morality tale, or as many do, actually an intentional Christian allegory, we might almost say a parable, there are, I believe, lots of interesting parallels between A Christmas Carol and the reading that we have just heard. Hmm. I mean, we may may not be, of course, Ebenezer Scrooges. I mean, perish the thought. But Peter shows his audience of the time things that ring true for us too. Through, if I may adopt the phrase, the spirit of times past, the spirit of the present times, and the spirit of the time to come. And he does so in ways that seek our moral and personal transformation to the likeness of Jesus Christ and in ways that reveal the Lord of time in whom we can trust, which is the title of the talk. So I'm going to speak a little about each of those things then and then I'm going to lead us in a time of reflective prayer. Let's just... um, a bit of time on each of those things, that's all. And beginning with the spirit of times past. Well, Peter reminds us here that the past began the origin of our world with a God who is everlasting. Psalm 90 is a constant reference point for Peter when he was writing this letter, clearly part of his inspiration. And Psalm 90 opens with the words... Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The past began with God. And in the early verses of Peter 2, he makes it clear that the past was defined by the first coming of Jesus Christ through whose, to quote, divine power, we were given all we need for life, and he calls us to glory and goodness. 
And he also points out that the past was recorded in the word of the prophets and the commands of Jesus. So the past, according to Peter, gives us all that we need to live good, fulfilling lives under God. Now, when shown his past, Ebenezer Scrooge was left with a great unease at the chances of happiness that he'd wasted and the loves that he'd lost because of his own avarice, his own miserliness. How do we think about the past that God has given us? Have we made most the most of the legacy he has given us? The spirit of the present times. Here Peter condemns present voices, scoffers he calls them, who challenge God's lordship of time. In the present, their denial of God's rule allows them to do whatever they want and pursue their own evil desires. They don't acknowledge God's rule. It gives them a freedom merely to please themselves. And living only in the present, they see no second coming. Where is this coming, he promised, they ask. Everything just carries on as it always has. And living only for themselves, they're immune to the misery they create for others. You know, when Ebenezer Scrooge was shown the impact of his selfish desires on others and was exposed to the hardship, ignorance and want that he was indirectly creating in others, he's filled with a kind of guilty foreboding. He senses a looming judgment. What does the notion of the second coming create in us? An indifference, because we've gone 2,000 years and it hasn't happened yet. A foreboding that we too might be judged unfavorably. Or an expectancy at being united with Jesus in love. And how might we reflect on our present, our present lives and our impact on others? The spirit of times yet to come. Yet to come is the fire reserved for the day of judgment and the destruction of all that is not goodly, godly. Yet to come is the new heaven and the new earth, a home of righteousness on the day of God. And yet to come is salvation for all those on whom God patiently waits. He waits for us to come to him. When Ebenezer Scrooge was presented with the vision of an unmourned, unloved, dead man, He finally saw himself as he was projected to be and is forced to confront and, yes, judge his own life's work as ultimately having been destructive. And he implores the spirit to alter his fate and renounces his mean-spiritedness and honors the spirit of Christmas. 
and we are left in famous pictures of Scrooge as an unleashed figure of joy, of new generosity, of love shared, of reconciliation and adoption. Those are the themes. Is that kind of salvation something we too seek or something that we found? But you know, Peter does more than those things that I've mentioned. He does more than show humanity through the mirror of time, past, present, and future. And he shows us more than even Charles Dickens attempts to. Because he reveals the spirit and therefore the character and hallmarks of God. Through Peter's writing, he shows us a God who is the creator and shaper of the physical universe, the great architect of the heavenly and the earthly. He shows us a Lord of time who is God, for whom a thousand years are like a day, who sees past, present, and future in one. He shows us a God who yearns for our well-being, to share in the purity, the morality, and holiness of his original design. He shows us a God who is patient with us and will give us every chance to find joy, generosity, love, and adoption, those great themes, a God in whom we can trust, we're shown. And he shows us a God who'll create a new environment for the righteous and will destroy all signs of evil and decay. And he shows us a God who wants us to reject the love of self and the pursuit of selfish desire and to embrace the love of God and others. And it is to help us make a step along that road this morning that I'm now going to move us into a time of fairly extemporary prayer followed by a couple of worship songs. And it's a prayer that focuses on the truth, I think, that we are made by love and we are made for love. And that on earth, our lives are about learning to love. And at death, we'll take an examination on how well we have loved. And if we've trained ourselves well enough, we'll go and live eternally in love. And here below, every time we love ourselves selfishly, we fail a little in carrying out God's plan for us and the world because there are only two loves, the love of ourselves and the love of God and others. So let me lead us in prayer. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. This will be quite meditative. I'll leave some pauses for your own reflections. Let's pray. Lord, there are only two loves.
love of myself and love of you and others. And each time I love myself, it's a little less love for you and for others, a kind of draining away of love, a loss of love. For love is made to leave myself and to fly towards others. And every time it's diverted to myself, it kind of rots and dies. And yet love of self is a poison that I absorb every day. Choosing the best for myself. Keeping the best place for myself. My love of self puts on a false front. It wants me to shine and to overshadow others. Love of myself is self-pitying and overlooks the suffering of others. Love of myself advertises my ideas and despises those of others. Love of myself induces me to earn money, to spend spend it for my pleasure, save it for my future. And love of self thinks myself as virtuous, calling me a good person. Love of self is satisfied with myself and gently rocks me to sleep. What's more serious, Lord, is that the love of self is a kind of stolen love. It was meant for others. They needed it to live and thrive And I've diverted it to me. So the love of self creates suffering in others. The sufferings of people and their miseries. The suffering of the worried person who hasn't been able to confide in anyone. And that of the troubled adolescent whose worries have been made fun of. The suffering of the unemployed person who wants to work and that of the worker who ruins their health for a ridiculous wage. The suffering of the parents who have to pile their family into a single room next to an empty house. And that of the mother whose children are hungry while the remains of someone's party are thrown in the bin. All sufferings, all injustices, humiliations, griefs, hates, all are a kind of unappeased hunger, a hunger for love. And yet we've built by our selfishness a disfigured world that crushes others. So many on earth spend their time feeding self-love while around them others with outstretched arms die of hunger. They have squandered love, and I have squandered your love, Lord. So grant me, Lord, to spread true love in the world. Grant that by me and by your children it may go a little deeper into circles, into societies, into economic and political systems, into laws, into contracts, into agreements. 
Grant that it may penetrate into offices, into factories, into homes, into places of entertainment. Grant that it may penetrate the hearts of all people and that I may never forget that a battle for a better world is a battle of love in the service of love. So help me to love, Lord, not to waste the powers of my love, to love myself less and in order to love others more and that around me no one should suffer because I have stolen the love they needed to live. So draw us to that place within you. Help us to give you our hearts, eternal and great God, as you have given your heart to us in your Son. Love us with all our hearts as we seek to love you. And together, help us to feed the world and to save it as you do in Jesus Christ.